Hello and welcome to AOTV Live sponsored by ActiveOps. We're very excited to be back live on LinkedIn as well as YouTube. So hopefully you found the channel and are, are going to settle in for a nice chat today. I'm really excited to welcome Santos Joy to the program again today. You may remember him from previous versions of AOTV Live where he spoke about the uh, fundamentals of employee productivity. Today we're going to cover a different topic, but more ex most exciting to me is Santos, you're here in the studio live with the U.S. travel opening back up. Welcome. Thank you very much, Michael. And it is, and it's an amazing feeling to actually sit across you, yeah. um, rather than sit in front of a camera and uh, and look at that. So it's a it's a, it's a really good feeling to be live in the real sense on AOTV Live. So thanks for having me here. Excellent, welcome. So so some of you, some people may have watched the previous versions, but just for those that may be new, could you give us a quick introduction? Um, yeah, I'm happy to. So uh, my name is uh, Joy Santosh. I've been with ActiveOps for 12 years. Um, in my role at ActiveOps for North America, I'm head of ops. Um, so I, I, my teams comprise the implementation, delivery, relationship management, and customer success management teams. Excellent. Well, welcome again. to Welcome to Texas. Thank you. So uh, today we're going to talk about uh, kind of employee well-being at scale. And it's, a, it's an interesting topic. It is it is exploded in the media. It's, uh, it's taken a lot of people by storm because of new work dimensions and so forth. I was doing a bit of research prior to, to as we were planning this discussion. And there's a Harvard Business Review study out that, uh, that estimates the cost of burned out employees to be $125 billion to $190 billion, with a B, in healthcare spending across the U.S. Another study with Gallup showed that 28% of employees say they suffer from some form of burnout with, with their work-related issues. And of those 28%, this is kind of staggering to me, 63% wow. are saying it will lead to a sick day. So, so there will be uh, sick days, and two and a half times more likely to go seek other employment, so to go seek another job. So when you, when you wrap up those stats, it's just staggering the, the, the impact, not you know, both financially, personally, on families, sick days, taking, et cetera, and not to mention the great resignation is fueled by, by the ability for that people can now kind of transfer to other jobs without leaving their home office. So it's just staggering the cost of burnout and well-being. So let's, let's kind of dive into that. So, you know, if you, if you read and you look at media, there's a lot of information out there about one-to-one -one interventions for burnout. So an HR training to say, when you spot these signs, you can intervene and help somebody. And, and, and all of that is absolutely valuable and important. But it seems like that's kind of more reactive than proactive, and it seems maybe there's a bit of uh, an ounce of prevention might help uh, companies. But when you talk at scale, when you talk about a VP of operations, a director of operations, which you work with on a daily basis in your team, you know we're talking hundreds and thousands of employees. And so let's start, Santosh, there with, with with your if you're a line of business executive, where do you get started on a on a wellness or just even uh, you know a program to start identifying? what the risk may be. So, and, and, uh, Michael, like, like every time on AOTV, you always start off with the most pertinent question. So, you know, it's a, it's a very important question. And, and I suggest uh, to approach that uh, a two-prong a, a two approach. And, and you know me well. The first one's always got to do with people. Yeah. And, and then the second one is about operationalizing data. And, and these are my, you know, this is my two-prong uh, approach. So what I would say is start with your team. That's your immediate and most important area and circle of influence. You cannot boil the ocean, you know, you cannot boil the ocean overnight. So you start with your team and then empower and enable team leaders and team managers to make small changes. 
you know, they are an organization's maximum power or maximum point of leverage. They also sort of occupy this, this role of being the conduit between uh, the management and the frontline team. So empower them, enable them to make small little changes. Look for changes in behavior. Now, we are, I would think, in a, still in a remote world or in a hybrid world. It's not, it's, uh, it's, it's not going to be easy. But that's a good start point to start looking for changes in behavior, especially when you're interacting with people or interacting with a group of people. Now, when you do interact, look for themes. Now, you, know, if you, you should be having daily buzz meetings. You should be having one-to-ones. You should be having team meetings. Now, there is you know, a key thing I, I, I sometimes notice. You know, one good starter for 10 is if, if there's someone there who always left their video on. Um, in, in these sort of interactions, and then for a week or like the last two weeks, they switch that video off. I think there's a there's a sign, you know. There's there's probably I'm, I, I remember speaking to one of the customers, and they went, "Yeah, we we have noticed this," and we reached out and said, "Well, you always had your video on. You've left it switched off for like the last week or so." And the person went, "Yeah, I was multitasking. I have a lot of work, and I need to get that done." Now, don't forget, overburden of work essentially means you're not focusing. You know, you've got your attention in more than one place. So look for these type of themes. The next one, that's my first one. That's yeah. to do with people. Yeah. Now let's go to operationalizing data. Now I am thinking large organizations need to look at the type of data that's coming in from their different systems. Now that data needs to be real time, needs to be historical. It needs to drill up and drill down as we, as we would call an active ops aggregate. Um, it needs to include metrics that are meant for performance management, and it needs to be comprehensive. So when I say comprehensive, I would think that it should, you know, typical management process automation systems should give you time, resource, and work data. Now, when you look at this data, then look if that's, if it's giving you an actionable insight. Now, the reason why I say operationalizing data is we've got tons and tons of it. Most of the time, we tend to look at exceptions and handle the exception. My recommendation is look for trends. Because when you're looking at a, a big mass of people, you've got to look for trends. And when you look for trends, uh, you can then essentially bring, come up with a program or an, or an initiative to handle it. So I would think, and the way you can do all of this together is have a management process automation system that is comprehensive, that is holistic, and gives you the information you need. Yeah. Yeah, very good. And and that data, when you said uh, we're still in a remote world or we're in a hybrid world, it's just getting more complex, right? Because the, the people are moving. And, and when you think about it, that probably adds to the stress of burnout potential. Now people are thinking about what are they going to do with their family where, where they were always home. Now they've got to take care of child care and get in their car and face traffic and things like that. So it's just changing. But so, th so that's interesting. So the data and, and thinking about the team is, is a, is a good, good starting point. Um, with that, though, there must come a new set of training criteria for managers because you talked about the critical nature. The managers are really stuck on that. They're in the front line, but they're also taking measures from the from the executives. Mm -hmm. And so they really need to execute uh, well. And, and they're trained on production. They're trained on increasing productivity, not maybe not necessarily identifying those burnouts. So what type of a training program would you, would you see takes place for well-being? Well... My first recommendation is when you're going on something like this, you've got to have a training program. Yeah. We end up seeing um, you know, prospects, customers who don't have a training program. And that's one thing that differentiates ActiveOps because we support technology with coaching and, and training. Now, firstly and importantly, I think when you, when you have a training program of this sort, 
I think the most critical component of all of this is time. So understanding how time is being utilized. See, time in production is extremely important. That's why you, I, and a host of others come into work. But getting managers to understand that time away from production is also important. You know, away from the screen, taking your breaks on time, um, ensuring you're not burning the midnight lamp, as they would say. But that's a component of time. So giving that balance on that's total time, that's time in production, what should be the time away from production? Extremely important because you're talking about organizational well-being. You're talking about individual well-being. <clears throat> now, going back to that operationalizing data point of view, uh, the training needs to include, we shouldn't forget, there's no dearth of data. I don't think it's a problem of, of shortage of data. We have lots of it. Is that necessarily a good thing? I'm not sure. Right. Because managers need to then be trained on contextualizing, using, um, deriving, um, and interpreting that data. And when you do that, you've got to take it to actionable insights because that's what's going to make the change. That's where you know they, they speak about um, uh, cut through to action. That's 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 when you're able to do that contextualizing and interpre interpretation of data. Then. Programs need to include the, what I call the operationalizing of performance. So do you set standards? Do you set targets? Once you've set that, are you controlling to that target? Are you yeah. delivering that target? And if you're not, are you having conversations on why didn't we deliver what we set out to achieve? Is right. there a variance? And then you learn from it and you feed it back. It's, it's like the, the typical you know, sort of closed loop actions that you do. Right. Now, managers need to be coached on closed looping it. They do components of it. But when you close loop it, it's a continuous cycle. Um, uh, in, in, I remember in my Six Sigma days, we used to call it the PDCA or the plan, do, check, act cycle. Mm. Take away even one component and your cycle isn't complete. Right. The, the other thing about, about, um, about training programs, uh, I'm, and for the sake of repeating it, it should include the aspect of communication. We forget that we're still in the remote world, we're still in a hybrid world, and you, you spoke about those complexities, right? What's gonna happen? The best way to reach out to all of that is have daily buzz meetings, have one-to-ones, have coaching sessions, you know, do your team meetings, and do it in a certain way. Buzz meetings, not more than 15 minutes, right? right? Uh, it's a stand-up, it's a talk, and, and you're doing it remotely, so it needs to have that power. Um, now, this is my big thing about it. I think, well, I'm pretty sure operational wellness is also about creating a sense of purpose. And for many people, that's developing another skill or a capability. Yeah. Now, there's a, it's, it's, it's a wonderful concept. You know, I, we call it multi-skilling or cross-skilling because it just gives people another area to sort of be an expert on. Now, we can derive that from these training programs by having, you know, you look at your capacity, you see if there's free capacity, you find out there's someone else who needs help, but you don't have the skill, so you then get out on that aspect right. of yep. building a cross-skilling um, initiative. Now, in the long term, it makes your resources flexible and fungible. Now is when operational wellness contributes to operational fitness. That's right. Now, that's a good training program to support your technology. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that, you know, that's, that ties it back to the production, right? So employees that have a good sense of well-being, have a sense of purpose, have a sense of being in control, they're going to be more productive employees. Absolutely. Just, just, and longer-term employees, mm -hmm. most likely, yeah. Well, well stated on the training. That's, that's absolutely important. So, Santosh, I know that the ActiveOps uh, products also can go down to the individual, so there's going to be some self-assessment of how am I doing and how am I feeling, maybe, to some degrees, or just how, how much screen time am I consuming. And, I, you know, I like, you know, Apple products, and they give me that every Sunday, and my 
Microsoft Viva for the for the work world. I mean, how how would you uh, kind of place that active ops capability to help the individuals as well on this well-being challenge? Probably the most important of our capabilities. Um, you know, the the individual or the team member is always front and center of all our implementations. Yeah. Now, all of our solutions, I like to say, drill up and drill down, pretty much point and click or aggregate and disaggregate to an individual level. That's a that's a that's a tremendous amount of um, of control over your over your data, especially if I'm you know, an individual myself. Now, it's all our solutions. The individual can access his or her reports pretty much on demand, yeah. and that could be my well-being. Where am I spending my time? You know, what are the applications that I've spent my time on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you can get that in real time. You can get that in historical. Guess what? I can get it now if I chose to. You know, if I had the system in front of me, I could just run a report and it would give me that information. Now, the organization can also decide, um, you know, as part of the setup, what lay, you know, what reports should the management layer be seeing. Uh, team leaders and team managers, if there's more information the individual wants, can also automate sending of these reports. Yeah. And you could automate them on a, you know, you can set a frequency on a daily, weekly basis. But you know, now the individual is getting a little more access. You know, if I had to compare my performance versus the rest of the team. Now, you, you've got these beautiful comparisons to come out with. Now, you, while you do all of that, what are you doing to that individual? You're putting that individual essentially in control right. of their day, in control of what they bring to work, in control of what is an outcome. Um, and, and that, I think, it's, it's empowering. Yeah. Uh, and it enables me to sort of go out and do a little more because now I can see the data that I have and I can see it. Now, once you empower me and enable me, I think I'm more in control. It gives me a level of autonomy over my day, my week, my month. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. That's that, that's almost true in everything, in your fitness programs and yeah. things like that. It's just, it's that, that that awareness and transparency just opens up doors for you, yeah. So, so before I get on to the last question, I wanna to mention to our audience, I forgot to mention at the start, Feel free to uh, answer uh, or post questions and answers or questions. We'll give you the answers in a moment, well, but do feel free to type into LinkedIn or your YouTube if that's where you're tuning in. Uh, a few questions and Santos will take questions in just a moment. But we'll get to the last question for you, Santos, of this kind of scheduled program. So, you know, well-being can be a significant challenge, uh, but more challenging might be getting funding as a line of business leader, a VP of operations or something, to fund a program that is targeted at well-being and lifting the well-being of your organization. So getting that funding. So where would you say, what are the top three areas to justify spend to lift the well-being of your organization? Yeah, top three. And uh, I'll, I'll be an optimist with this. Um, I think, you know, I get it. The fact that I'm here in front of you in a, in a live studio, the fact that I took a flight out and the plane didn't have a single seat empty, is all telling me that there's normalcy probably returning. I know it's been a, let's hurry up, it's normal, and then there's a slowdown, but this time I think the, uh, the, the attributes of normalcy <clears throat> you know, feel, feel fairly in control and, and fairly good. Now, with, with normalcy returning soon, I would think an organization would get busy with, you know, I had that transformation initiative pending, I had that, um, that change program pending. They're gonna get busy with that because when normalcy comes up, they're gonna get busy with all of, you know, you'll bring all those initiatives that you either pended or stalled, you're gonna bring it to the forefront. Yeah. You're not gonna have time to invest in operational well-being, in organizational well-being, which means the time is now. Yeah. And with, with normalcy returning, you've made the right investment of time, of resource, of change. So when normalcy returns, guess what? You've got 
a fully enthused company, a fully enthused organization that's going to adopt and you know, pretty much run with, with a level of normalcy. You know, if, if I had to say all these investments will give you returns now. So that's my first one. The second one is a bit of a financial concept, but I will say it anyway. There's a thing called cost of delay. And many return on investment studies don't cover the aspect of cost of delay. Right. Now, not doing anything is not necessarily a good decision. Right. Because avoiding or pushing out a problem doesn't necessarily solve the problem. You're talking people, you're talking organization. I get a sense that problem is only going to increase in size. So when you take cost of delay and put you know, uh, an implementation that delivers 5% in under two months, it's a no-brainer. Superimpose both of them, and you will see that, well, actually, there's a, it's an opportunity loss cost. I'd rather do it now. Yeah. Because the, the return on investment is so compelling, and it pays for itself. Now, that's my second point. Um, and the third one is... Um, it's, it's a more organizational thing, and I think this is the bit, the, the feeling I get when I read you know, articles in, in the news and stuff like that. In the last 18 months, organizations have been consumed with both running the business and changing the business. When I say changing the business, it's changing to suit what um, the pandemic offered. So things like remote work, hybrid work, you know, that exodus of laptops from, you know. So that was all changing, but I probably said in one of, my, in a, in one of the earlier sessions, um, we were changing as we were running. Yes. Right? Now, investing in, op so, and, and we're hoping to get control. Now, investing in, in operational well-being now is going to ensure that that control that we were after as we were running and changing, uh, you, you're going to get it. There'll, there'll be a sense of predictability to that outcome. Yeah. And when normalcy returns, when it's time, very important to be in control, the good news is you will be in control. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think those points are, are, are well justified. And, and I, I like the cost of delay scenario because people don't think about that as much as they should. And then if they get started now and they get that, that wellness up and, the, and their people feel empowered, they are going to just whatever change comes ahead, whether it's back to work in the office, stay at home, hybrid, whatever it will be, they're going to be, be ready prepared. and they're going to be empowered to take it on. That's great. Well, very good. Very good talking with you. I've got a, I do, I've, I'm looking here on LinkedIn. I've got a couple of questions for you that came across. So I'm just going to read them um, if you're ready for them. Yep. So assuming you can collect data consistently and deliver this data to the management team at their fingertips, what are the indicators of potential burnout or overworking? Uh, before I answer the question, I do want to say, because you know, I've been on AOT Live a few times, people have actually been writing to me separately on LinkedIn Good. and asking questions too. So keep that going. Yes. Um, and and I, will, you know, I, will either, I will respond to them as, as they come to me. So if, if not now, I could you know, pick up the questions even Absolutely. later. Yeah. But they have been writing, and there have been some very, very good questions. Um, so... Um, now, what could be the potential indicators of burnout? I'll start with something which is uh, uh, you know, it's a big topic as we speak. You know, an increase in the number of errors, um, a drop in your quality, or a steady rise in the number of complaints could be the result of burnout. Okay. Now, I say could be the result of burnout is if, some, if I've been working, if I'm supposed to be working for nine hours a day, if I'm working for 12, between the ninth hour and the 12th hour, I am tired. Yeah, and if I'm doing a piece of work that's extremely high in terms of quality, if it's a transactional piece of work that has an, you know, what we would call failure modes effect analysis, you know, when you do that sort of a thing, and if there's a, a reason for error, there is a higher chance I will do it when I'm tired. So 
could, you know, it's great to look at your quality scores, your error reports, um, your customer complaints to see if there's anything, to see if there's anything there. Um, data, look for trends. I've, you know, I was, I was talking about looking for trends and not exceptions. Um, look for trends in late log offs, erratic right. um, break patterns. You would, you know, I would always, we always recommend, you know, you get that focus time that you can book off on your calendar because that lets you focus. But while that, what's, what's that doing to you? It's making it predictable that at this time, I'm going to be focusing. But if, that's an, if there's an erratic pattern with breaks, if there's weekend working when no overtime has been sanctioned, then it's an indication that you know, there's probably a lot of work. Now, if you have access to a level of granularity, then I think you can also look at workflow and work rhythm. Right. Um, um, one of ActiveOps' solutions essentially enables it, so I can tell it with pride that you know, we, we can give you granular data to actually identify workflows, work patterns, and, and work rhythms. Because if there's a break there, then there is a classic chance that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a chance of being, you know, being overburdened. Now, and the other one, which is really close to my heart, I think productivity uh, can right. be a great indicator of, um, of burn. Um, and why do I say that? You know, we'd like productivity to be consistent and stable. Right? Um, it's like a car on cruise control. Yeah. Right? It's going to give you more mileage, there's going to be less wear and tear, etc. But if productivity is varying, that's essentially a car not in cruise control, it's doing its twists and turns, yeah. it's going to burn more gas, it's going to wear out quickly. Now, that's a, 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 a sort of a, a good indicator of someone being overburdened. Yeah. So pr I, I look, everything remaining constant, if productivity is varying, either for an individual, a team, or a department, it requires action. And that's one of the first things that we do at ActiveOps is we help businesses, firstly, be able to confidently predict a level of productivity, and then gain control of it, and then control it, and then essentially keep it consistent as we move. Yeah, very good, excellent point. So, so we'll take one more question because we're trying to keep our time into about 20, 25 minutes uh, of the live event. And like you said, if questions come in through LinkedIn, they can contact you directly and, and you have to answer that. And that's great, that's a great point. That's what, what these things are all about. Uh, so the next question is says, uh, you know, I think this goes on your question about uh, don't delay, get started. It says, how long does it take to get a solution running and results available? Uh, great question again. And, and lots, of things about, lots of things in active ops are keep things simple. Now, and um, we can get the technology up and running in less than one week. Now you've got the technology, we then support that with coaching, training, and certification. Right. Now, essentially all this means a week of setup a few weeks of training and coaching support. And for the reason I think that's important is that's why we're talking about, you know, why coaching is important, why certification is important. You start seeing the benefits in pretty much the end of the first month. Yeah. Uh, as you move into the second month, you've got your data in order, people are all trained up, your benefits start accumulating and, and go consistently upward. Um, and once you've got all of that, uh, key point, and again, the finance, to all the finance guys out there, that investment that you made, firstly, it's self-funding. Secondly, and this is what people love us for, the return on investment, a positive ROI, is delivered in the same financial year. Yeah. So it's not just about getting your technology up and running, it's not just about investing in people, but it's also the fact that the investment we just made has paid us five times. Yeah, yeah, very good. 
Very good. Well, excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us in, in studio here in Dallas today. I hope we can do it again in person and, and even remote if we, if we need to when we get back to uh, our, our home offices. Uh, so thank you very much for joining. Great topic, very important topic. And since we, you know, we talked about the cost to organizations and just the, the, the possible attrition and sick time and things like that, it's, it's such an important topic. And I'm, I'm sure Santosh will take more questions if you have any uh, best ways, LinkedIn, I'm guessing, to reach you. Any, any other potential ways to reach you? Well, LinkedIn is the best. I've had it's had tremendous result yeah. uh, over the past. So uh, LinkedIn's the best place to get me. Excellent. Well, thanks again. So to everybody listening, we appreciate you tuning in today. We, we hope you got something out of the, the discussion. It's a very important discussion for all of us and all of our organizations. Uh, we appreciate your participation. As always, go to activeops.com. You can go to the resource hub and find resources on well-being, on our solutions and products, case studies and things like that. Lots of videos and white papers, etc. Uh, and also stay, stay tuned to AOT TV Live for the next episode and also AO on Air podcast. So thanks so much and have a great day.